All right, how are we doing tonight? Good? good? All right. You guys ready for, I think God's got some really good stuff for you guys, right? Um, stories. Stories are awesome. And uh, we're doing this thing called story time where we basically we take uh, a character in the Bible or a certain um, set of events in the Bible and we just break them down and we feel like God just has a lot of stuff for you guys tonight. And so I just want to jump right into it. Does that sound good? Does that sound all right there, buddy? I just want to pray over this real quick. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much. And Father, I just pray right now, God, that you can just uh, remove me from the microphone, speak through me, God, and, and Father, that you can just prepare and open the hearts of every single person here, um, that we may just be able to see what you're, what you're calling us to do, what you're wanting us to know. Um, Lord, you are so good, and you are so worth it. In your heavenly name, amen. amen. All right, so what I want to talk about tonight is this whole idea of friendship, of friendship. And there's a certain person in the Bible that is considered... Uh, and is named as the friend of God, as the friend of God. And the Sunday school answer would be like, well, that's Jesus. Yes, but uh, curveball, we're gonna talk about a different guy named Moses, all right? How many of you guys have heard of Moses before, I'm sure, right? The dude that um, helped God, you know, or God through him, did the whole the plagues of the Egypt and, and split the Red Sea, and we're gonna get into some of that stuff. But I wanna take a little bit, I wanna take a look at some of the smaller parts of Moses' life um, and, and break that down because I'm basically to set up the framework for what I wanna be able to do tonight, I just wanna ask the question, why was Moses considered a friend? Of God, why is Moses considered a friend of God? Now, when you think about um, a friend in general, what are the qualities that make up a good friend? And, and generally, it's it's someone um, that will obviously you 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 have experience with, you talk with, you can get along with. But I think a great definition I read um, today was the a true friend. Like if you ask them a question or you or you, you want them to do something, that their response is immediate. Like, they, they don't think about it. Like, do you have that friend that, like, if they called you and, then, and they said um, that we have, like, a, a flat tire or something like that, you just, you don't think about, like, well, could I help them or should I send help? You just, like, get up and go. Like, I have, a, I have a bunch of friends in my life like that. Sean's one of them right there. And, and of course, Joe and, and, and a bunch of others that, that, like, if they were to text me, like, especially if it's like someone's in the hospital or something like that, just, like, bam, I'm going. All right? Kim, I'll go to Wyoming, okay? I, I'll do it. I'll go there. I'll go there. But that's, that's the definition of friend. And friendship's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Now, I want to look at a guy in the Bible that was a very, very good friend um, as, as Moses. Now, some of you may right now be, like, trying to tune me out completely because you're just like, friend, Jesus, like, is my friend. Like, that's, that's like the kid's message of this. Like, yes, like, Jesus will be my friend. You know, like, something that, that you would think is a lot like this. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that he's one who will never leave you flat. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend. Look at this. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. Not talking about that. All right? I'm not talking about that sort of thing. I don't know what era that was made in. I can't tell. Um, I feel like it, it maybe had been the 90s, but it looked like the 80s or 20s. I don't know. Um, and bless them for, like, they're singing about Jesus. That's good. Sometimes stuff from just different eras seems creepy and weird. Um, but I'm not, I'm not talking about, like, like, Jesus is my friend sort of a thing tonight. I'm talking about a real and raw friendship with God. I believe that's what Moses had, and I think that's what God wants for each and every one of us tonight. 
And I think that we're gonna look at the story of Moses and I'm kicking off a two-part series and we're gonna, we're gonna continue this story next week when we look at three different stages of relationship that Moses went through with God. And I, I love this because it's pre-Jesus. Like it's pre-Jesus being on, on the planet. It's pre-Holy Spirit. Like we have, we have the spirit of God, uh, the, an indwelling living in us right now. And Moses experienced such a deep friendship before all of that, which I, I just think that's so much more astounding. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump straight into the story. Um, we're going to jump into chapter three. I'm going to quickly go through the first two chapters, which is a lot. So bear with me, okay? Um, Moses was born at a time, it's like the end of this 400-year stage where all of God's chosen people, the Israelites, were slaves in Egypt, all right? They're slaves in Egypt. It's really bad. The Pharaoh there is like, there's too many of them. They could overthrow me and... and they basically just kills all the kids. Crazy town, okay? Crazy town. Pharaoh starts killing all of the male children um, because he doesn't want the Israelites to get too big in numbers and overthrow them. And so Moses is born. He can't even think yet. He already has a bounty on his head, all right? He's, he's up against the odds. Now, Moses' mom is mentioned in uh, Hebrews 11 as like one of the titans of faith because she did this crazy thing, like nutso thing. I don't know if you guys have ever had a mom that's like super overprotective, right? That like even in high school, make sure the, the toy is out of the cereal box, you don't choke on it, like sort of business, right? Like, it, like make sure you buckle up before you turn the car on. Like the, like the, the crazy, crazy overprotective moms. Like, you know that a mom is at her last rope because this is what M Moses' mom did. She put him at three months in a basket because if she kept him, and, you know, babies cry. And, and so they're loud and so she didn't want him to die. So she puts him in a basket and puts him in the river and says, good luck. <laughs> right? She didn't say good luck in the Bible, okay? I imagine it was something like that. But like, you know, a mom's at the end of a rope, but that's her last chance. My goodness. Talk about trust in God. Right, trust in God. She's like, I won't see my baby killed, and if I if I can't keep him, then I'm gonna I'm just gonna I'm gonna give him up to to, to God. And obviously, it, it it was just crazy how this worked out because the baby floated down to Pharaoh's daughter, and she's like, oh, a baby! Like she was in the she's in the river bathing, and all of a sudden a baby floats up to her. She didn't doesn't say she's like, I wonder whose baby this is. She says, I'll keep it. That's the first thing she says, right? She says, I'll keep it. And then Moses' older sister happened to be right like down the bank or whatever. And, and she's like, I know someone that can nurse the baby for you. Moses' mom, what? Crazy town, okay? All right, so Moses grows up in Pharaoh's house. This is super important. He grows up with all the, like, the royalty. He grows up with like cool clothes and he learns the Egyptian culture, but he's a Hebrew. He is one of the Israelites by birth, by blood, but... He has an intimate knowledge of all of how, like, Pharaoh's house works, how the government works, all that stuff. If he's growing up in Pharaoh's house, one can just know that, like, he's going to see how things are done and how it goes. And so what ends up happening is one day, like, 40 years later, he grows up. Like, he's a, he's a man, and he sees an Egyptian beating down an Israelite, and he's like, well, I'm just going to go kill him. All right? It escalated quickly for him. Um, it wasn't like, let's have a conversation and see, like, how can we stop beating him? That he just kills him. And so then word gets out, and Moses is like, well, I'm going to die because I killed an Egyptian. And, and so he just runs, all right? He runs away um, and ends up where we find him in the beginning of chapter 3 here. Um, we're just going to kick it off in verse 1. It says, now Moses would tend in the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, um, so the, a flock of sheep, um, the priest of Midian. 
And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So it starts out with Moses tending a flock. I think that's super interesting. King David, right? You guys ever heard of King David? Dude that killed Goliath. But the day that he got sent out, basically, to end up killing that giant, he was just tending a flock. Like, he woke up that day not knowing that was going to be his breakthrough. Does that make sense? And Moses is in the same situation here. He's just tending a flock right now. He has no idea what he's about to encounter. I just think that I love how, how God sets up some parallels with us. And I believe that sometimes that day for us could be any day, our day for our breakthrough, right? All right, verse 2. Oh, hold on. First of all, also, that go back. I apologize. It says that um, he came to the back of the desert. I don't know what the back of the desert looks like. <laughs> but the front of the desert still looks bad. What does the back of it look like? That's just, like, he's remote, right? He's very remote. It's, it's, so he's in the back. I think that's interesting on how how far removed from society he was. He was in the back of the desert. Verse two, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. All right, so you picture the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. I mean, the fire was not consuming it, making it to ash at all. The, the bush was fine. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. I don't know, that's how he really said it. That's how I read it. <laughs> in the Bible, because the Bible's pretty epic. I also listened to Hans Zimmer when I was doing this, and so, you know, the classical music makes everything sound epic. Now, there are some that actually talk about this bush, like, the, 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 there are people that refute this story of like, in the desert, like, bushes can just spontaneously erupt into flame. And I'm like, I mean, I get it, I'm out in 90 degree weather, and I think I'm gonna spontaneously bust into flame. Like, I get that. But like, the interesting thing about this bush isn't that it was on fire, it's that it spoke right? It's like, how do they refute that? Like, either way, that's a unique bush, right? It's talking. It's talking. <clears throat> Verse four, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called, this is super important, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. God called Moses by name. It didn't say, psst, or hey, or fuego, said, Moses, Moses called him by name, and he said, Moses said, here I am. And how did Moses get to this point? A lifelong journey brought him to this moment. Moses was actually searching for the meaning of life. And he's like, Pastor, well, that's pretty deep. But I, I think of it this way. If I put myself in Moses' shoes, and I just, 40 years in the midst of high living, of wonderful things, of culture, and then it's like, oh, man, I'm interested in sheep. Passionate about sheep. It's just like he went from this, this, this high, high rank in living to in the back of the desert, like watching sheep. Like to me, what that screams to me, that's someone looking for something else in life, yeah. right? Have you ever been in those places where you're just like doing something medial, that, but you know that you're just built for something more? Like there's something more in you that you've been created for something, something more than, than just what you're doing right now. Like I feel like that's where Moses was at back of the desert watching sheep, like alone in solitude. And so I think that as Moses is walking, his thought process has to be something around those lines of, of what am I doing here? There's got to be something more. And that's when the first stage of this friendship with God happens, and that's an introduction. And what an introduction. The burning bush, 
that says your name, right? That's crazy. But I believe the undertone for this whole story is one of relentless pursuit of God after each and every one of us. A desperate attempt by him to call each and every one of us by name. And though no one is in the exact situation Moses is, if they are, this isn't the back of the desert, we don't know that, but I do present the idea that there are people in this very room that are in the back of the desert in their own life, that are at a crossroads in their own life. I don't know what your desert looks like. I don't know what it looks like if it's maybe it's like you just graduated and you're like, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go to here. That, that can feel lonely. That can feel just like the sun's beating down on you, right? Or, or, or we talk about just depression, feel, feeling alone, right? Loneliness, that's a big, big tie to that. That's, a, that's the back of the desert, man. And, and if there's anywhere that like suicidal thoughts linger, that's the back of the desert. And what we see from God is that even at the back of the desert, he calls us by name. So where you are, no matter what it is, and maybe you're not in the desert, maybe you're in Disneyland, I still think that he calls us by name all the time, anywhere, because of his relentless pursuit of our hearts. And it's this, isn't that friendship language? That's friendship language. Like you have a lost friend. Like you're, 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 you're longing for them. You want that, you, you want that connection uh, back. And so that's, that's friendship language. Now, Moses hears the audible voice of God through a bush. In your desert, you might not hear that that way. If you do, come talk to me. I want to I talk about that experience. <laughs> Love to just hear that story. But what is that... What does that voice of God calling you by name in your desert look like now? Does it, does it look like just that still small voice from deep inside of you? Where you just hear him say your name? Or, or is, it, is it someone praying over you? A situation that maybe they didn't ever have details on, but they, they're praying the exact things you need. Like, this is before the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit resides in every single one of us. And I, a lot of times God has called me by name through other people that know him. And so I just want to expand your minds past like the, the, this, this physical encounter that Moses had with his burning bush to know that Jesus is everywhere. God is everywhere, passionate after you. He's going to use anything to be his burning bush into your life. That's right. Now, the bush was talking to him. Now, when, you, when, when a bush starts talking to you, that's weird. But when you start talking to the bush, that's crazy. <laughs> All right, he's, he's alone in the wilderness. And then when you're by yourself for a while, bad, like weird things happen to you. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you're by yourself for a long time in the wilderness alone, weird things happen. And um, Moses says, here I am. Here I am. He says this. Verse five, when he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is on holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, of God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. I want you to notice that, that Moses hid his face as soon as he heard who God was. He, he, hid, he hid from that. Now, Moses knew the story. He knew the, 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 what Abraham did, what Jacob did, what Isaac did. He, he knew all that stuff. So he had that history, uh, that, that story of, of knowledge. But I think a lot of times when God calls us to do stuff, our first reaction is to hide our face away. 
And, and, and Moses reveals, reveals this in a little bit, but like I think that one of our first reactions is like, I'm not good enough. It's for God to talk to me. I'm not important enough. I'm not special enough. Or, or we make it to where we don't know, like we, we imagine that God's gonna ask us to do these crazy things or something like that or these, these off the wall stuff and we just, we hide our face from him knowing how powerful he is. But I love God's reaction to Moses turning away. Verse seven, the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, meaning the slave drivers, for I know their sorrows. God says, I see, I hurt here, and I know. That's like a magic equation. Because like, it's like when Moses turns his face away, God's saying, whoa, 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 I see you, I know you, I hear you. That's friendship language again, yes? Like, this isn't the God that's like, oh, fire and brimstone, turn or burn. <laughs> like, that's the Old Testament God that we get this picture of. But in my mind, I see, I see God just going after Moses, be like, no, 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 I see you. I see you. I hear you. I know you. That's, that's friendship language. That's friendship language. And I think that one of my, um, <laughs> one of the, the movies that sticks in my head a lot, it's old, it's called Avatar. Have you guys ever seen Avatar? Is this going to be lost on a lot of you? But there's this, there's this, there's this um, line in the movie that's stuck in my heart because it says, like, like the, the hello in, their, in this native language in this movie is, I see you. That sounds way better than just like, hey. I mean, how many times have you gone to somebody and they say, hey, and they're still looking at their phone? Right. But man, like, one thing I love to do with my wife, and she's sitting right here, as I say, I see you. And that speaks to her heart. I say it to my brothers. I say it to people that I look them in the eye, right? I see you is so much more. And, and then to say, I hear you, meaning I'm listening. And then for God to just, because he's all powerful, and all, all, all great, he says, I know what you're going through. Right. When that no is super deep because he's saying, I feel what you feel. Like, I, I can feel your suffering. I can feel all that. So Moses turns his face away, and I feel like as if God was in the spirit lifting his chin back up, saying, I see you. I know you. Like, it, it's, it's such, such thing. Now, whenever God's in the Bible, generally, whenever he says he sees, he hears, and he knows, that equals also, like, big stuff. If, if God sees something, hears something, knows something, that means deliverance is coming. That means, like, stuff is about to get shook up. The devil's about to get beat down, and God's people are about to get risen up, yep. all right? Because God hears his people. He feels them. He knows them. He, oh, it's going to be good. All right, so verse 8, um, so I have come down to deliver, this is God talking, I've come down to deliver to them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to the land flowing with milk and honey. He's talking about the promised land. Have you guys ever heard the promised land? That's what God's talking about. And then he says a bunch of names that we, that's just people that live there. Uh, verse 9. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children, out of Israel, out of Egypt. So Moses is like, okay, God's, I'm talking to a bush. It's God, okay? God says, I see you, I know you. The friendship has started. And then what an introduction. God's like, hey, what's up? I'm God. You're gonna, like, set captives free. And it's just like, whoa. That's big. I was watching sheep. I was thinking about making some socks. And now I'm gonna set a nation free, right? 
And I've, I love how, how bold God is because he knows that Moses can handle that sort of business. Verse 11 says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? See, Moses isn't exactly doubting his identity here, but he's basically like saying, he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I want us to just remember back to Moses' childhood. Moses has an intimate knowledge of how Pharaoh's house works. He has an intimate knowledge of how the government works. He knows all the different rules. Like in back then, if you go up to the king wrong, you die. Like if you don't kneel a certain way or, or something like that, or you don't go at a certain time, like they can just kill you. But Moses knows the intimate knowledge of how this is. Basically what God's saying is like, no, 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 you're the perfect man for the job. And I believe that whenever God especially introduces himself in a different way or, or to us in general, that's something else that he's saying to us. The reason I want to be your friend is because you're the perfect person for what I have for you. Right. You're the perfect person for what I have you. This is why Romans 8.28 has such life to it. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. I mean, this is like talking about Moses right here. See, the devil played his hand too strong. He played his hand way too strong earlier. He got a little cocky whenever the devil plays the game. Like God says, okay, you want to play? I'm in. I'm in. And he gets his jersey on and his Nikes or Under Armour, whatever you want to put on, right? Because the devil's like, I'm going to just kill all of Israel's kids. And God's like, oh, yeah? You think that'll work? I'm going to set up a half-court shot to win this game. I'm going I'm to have one baby saved, and that baby's going to live in the enemy's camp right, with Pharaoh in his house, and the enemy's going to flip the bill for school, for food, for lodging, for all the stuff throughout his whole life, so that when he comes to me in the back of the desert, he's going to be fully equipped for everything I have for him. That's the bad stuff, too, has equipped Moses. We all have bad stuff in our, in our past. We have things that we failed at. We have things that, that are, are, are not good. We have things that are great. We have, we've learned from everything. I mean, I'm talking, my, my pastoral job here, I worked at Jimmy John's for five years. Stuff at that job taught me how to do this job. I don't know how, but, but God made it happen. God made it happen, all right? Like, it, and that's just a medial example, but I, want, I illustrate it that way to know that like every single thing that we're doing especially if we do it as if we're working God for, for God rather than for people. Like you're working that purpose so that one day when he calls you to that, 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 that deliverance of a nation, that whatever that looks like in your life, you can hear him say, you're the best man for the job. You're the best woman for the job. So Moses gets this crazy encounter. Um, and this is what God says in verse 12. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I've, that I've sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you, serve, you shall serve God on this mountain. Meaning he's like, I want you to bring all the other people to the back of the desert with you. Um, and Moses basically goes like, how am I supposed to convince them to come to the back of the desert? Um, and he, Moses says, or asks like, what should, I, what should I call? What should I say to them? What should I call your name? And verse 14 um, says, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. Super unhelpful. <laughs> have you ever like, have you ever, <laughs> have you ever, like, this is something that I do that drives my wife nuts, but like, she'll ask me a simple question like, hey, when's, like, what time is dinner? And I'll be like, about the time we eat. <laughs> like, super unhelpful, super unhelpful. 
And she, and I do it to everybody. Yeah. He knows what I'm talking about. Like, how do you stop bleeding? Oh, don't get shot. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I feel like Moses was like, okay. I, like, I am, okay? Um, anything else? I am who I am. Beautiful, God. Thank you so much. And God's just like, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I, ha- I am has sent me to you. And like, I just can't imagine how that conversation goes. Yes, I am has sent me, well, him to you to go to, to him. Like, I don't know, language is, they probably, he probably, I know he said it way better than I ever could, but it's just one of those things that, like, when Moses heard that, like, I don't know how many of you guys have ever heard the teaching I am. Like, we have tons of stuff on that. We, we, we know, like, there's a lot of commentaries and things, like, God, he's saying his name is I am. Moses had nothing. He didn't have anything. He didn't have anything. And, and, and God start. this is God saying, in, in the introduction process, you talk about who each other are and like your history and your past. And God is saying that I am. It's a revolutionary thought in this stage. God has not said this about himself before. Now, at first you would think that this is what God's kind of doing is just like maybe just leaving, leaving it out there as, as a mystery. Um, but this it doesn't work for me. I need, it's like, God, I need something that, 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 that I want to be able to, to, to go deeper into this. And, and basically, this is what I think God said in this. Like how many of you have ever prayed for God for like a crazy breakthrough? Like prayed for like something crazy to happen or whatever. Most of the times that I pray, God, pray to God for a crazy breakthrough, I'm, I'm actually asking him how the breakthrough is going to happen. You ever had that in your head? You're just like, like I, I'll ask for like a financial blessing and then in my mind I'm like, well maybe God will do this and then he'll move this around and he'll move this. God's saying like, no, 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 don't worry about any of that because I am. Yeah. Like does that make sense? He's like, no, no, don't worry about the how because I am the how. Yeah. Don't worry about the money because I am the money. Don't worry about uh, the, 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 the healing because I am the healing. Don't worry about the, the, the victory because I am the victory. Don't worry about your breakthrough because I am the breakthrough. And so Moses is sitting here and he's like, oh my gosh. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I just, I am, that's it. That's all it is. And I, I think you probably had this revolutionary thought. And I think Paul talks about this in the New Testament when he says, I am content in Christ for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Whatever I have because my contentment is him. And so, so Moses gets this introduction to this friendship with God, knowing that God is the victory, is the truth, and he is this breakthrough, and it's his presence that brings it. I'll invite Nick or Joe or whoever has to come up here, but I believe that this first step to friendship, this introduction, and I'm not talking about salvation necessarily, but I feel like God wants to introduce himself as the I am for whatever you need tonight. The victory, the breakthrough, maybe it's the, it's the casting out of the fear in your life. It's the, it's the, it's the I am peaceful. 
whatever that is. And so what I want us to do is I, I want you to just close your eyes. I want you to just reflect. Reflect on what's the back of your desert look like? Like what desert am I? Am I in a desert of fear right now? Am I in a desert of loneliness? Am I in a desert of just, God, I have no idea what to do. And it, it burns, it's hot out here. I feel beat down, I feel dehydrated. Picture what your desert looks like of, of the thoughts, the feelings that you need God to introduce himself to you in that way. I just, I want you to imagine. Just imagine God just putting a hand out, a handshake. But this handshake isn't like, like a handshake and a cup of coffee for you know, a friend that you met one day and, or, or you just used to hang out at Sonic once and it's just burgers one time or whatever. Like this handshake means relationship. This handshake means life. This handshake means I'm gonna give you a new part of me. As God says to Moses, I am. I am. This handshake will shake you to your core. It will, it will give you peace that you can't understand. It will surround you with love. What's so interesting about Moses, the first time he meets God, he, he turns his face away. The end of Moses' life, he ends up asking a, or asking a question to God, saying, I want to see you face to face. That goal in mind, of seeing God in this victory, in this hope. I just want to pray. I want you to pray. Listen to my words as I pray over you right now. God, I just, I thank you, God. I thank you for, for meeting us where we are, for meeting us in the desert in the back of the desert. Thank you for, for calling us by name, knowing that we have been chosen for this friendship with you. And Father, as Moses just, as Moses accepted this crazy thing that you wanted him to, God, I pray every heart here can see that that acceptance is just your presence, welcoming you in to their homes, their rooms, their their lives, God. And that fear that might be their desert, that loneliness that might be their desert, that depression that might be their desert, that I just don't know what to do with myself that might be their desert. God, I pray that you can show them that you hear them, that you see them, and that you know them. They can be comforted and at peace by that, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, though you're not specifically mentioned this message we know God that the Holy Spirit you are thriving in us and you are thriving in that moment with Moses and so Holy Spirit I just call on you in this room and ask you to just give us the feeling of God's heart for us tonight Lord I pray that you would 
Lord, I pray a blessing over every single one of us that as we just hear this introduction that this week, we can just talk to you, God. We can just start this friendship off. And, and maybe it's just, obviously we've already been friends with God, but maybe it's just a friend around this certain subject, around my fear, my loneliness, God, that we can just spend more time with you on this, this week, that we can hear you more, see you more. Lord, we can feel your love and love you more. God, I pray you protect everyone this week and give us amazing, amazing things and blessings. And the next week we learn more about your friendship, Jesus, that you reveal more to us. We love you in your heavenly name. Amen. I challenge you guys this week. Talk to God about this. Talk to God about this, this friendship, this introduction. And, and next week we're going to be going into continuing looking at Moses' crazy life because that dude was nutso for God. It was awesome. We're going to look at, at all the different things how God um, was able to stand there and say, you are a friend, and he met God face-to-face and talked with him as a friend. We love you guys. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.